2, and we'll start there, Joel 2. And I have a special message today. You're saying, Pastor, aren't all your messages special? Yes, they are. They should be. But this message today is just something special. I felt like that God gave me uh, for the rest of this year into next year. And I've been preaching about revival. I've been preaching about prayer on Sunday mornings. But this is just a little bit different message. But I want to share it to you because I don't just preach what I want to preach. I want to preach what God wants me to preach. And so if God tells me to preach on something different, guess what? I'm going to preach on something different. Because that's where the anointing is. That's where the power of God is on what he's doing. And so we're going to look at Joel uh, chapter 2 in verse 24, Joel 2. It says, the threshing floor shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. Verse 26, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Now, I'm excited to preach this message, and I'm always excited to preach message, but one of the values of our church's passion is our response. And you guys have been doing a great job on Sunday mornings, but I want to encourage you, today is the day to really do it. Because passion is our response, and I preach better when you respond better. And I know we had a big week of meetings, and I know it's cold and rainy outside, but God wants to do something great this morning, and you got to stir yourself up. And I'm excited to preach this because I felt strongly praying the past few weeks about what I should share about next. I felt like that God gave me a word for this season and for this time, for the rest of this year and into next year. And I, I was talking to God because at the end of last year, I talked about a message and I talked about dreaming again. Anybody remember that? I talked about you need to dream again. And you know what? God will give you a message ahead of time that is prophetic to help you stay in faith because what you're about to face doesn't look like what he just said. Do I need to say that again? So God will say something about your future because he's warning you ahead of time. There's about to be something that comes in your path that's not going to look like what I just gave you. So if God tells you to dream again, guess what just happened this past year? He gave, and he didn't give, but the enemy gave a lot of things to get us to stop dreaming and to stop believing and to give up and to pull back and, and to forget the plans that we had because of the pandemic and because of the, the coronavirus and financial situation and racial tensions and the election and everything else. And so God said dream again because he knew what was going to happen. And many people gave up in March. And we're almost in November. <laughs> There's like, well, that message went out the window. No, it didn't. It didn't go out the window. No, God was giving you a warning ahead of time that you need to keep your faith stirred up and your dreams stirred up. And we have faced a lot of things as people living in this world, not just the United States, but the whole world. And God still believes he wants you to dream again. But he gave me a different word for the rest of this year because this year ain't over yet. There's still two more months to go. And then there's next year and there, there's, there's a lot of great things ahead, but you got to stir your faith up and don't let circumstances and experiences tell you what you're going to believe tell you how your life's going to be, tell you what you're going to feel and think and experience because circumstances will try to tell you that. But God gave me one word, restoration. <laughs> restoration. And I want to title this message, The God Who Restores. The God Who Restores. I love this in Joel 2 and 24. This is a prophetic passage. I love it what it says. Let's read it again. Joel 2 and 24. 
It's an amazing verse. A few verses here. It's prophetic. It says, the threshing floor shall be full of wheat. Now, at the time this was written, the, f- the threshing floor did not look like this. And he says, no, it's not going to be empty. It's going to be full. And the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Now, what's that? That's the anointing. That, that's God's power. That's God's presence. That's what we're coming into. And verse 25, it says, and I will restore to you, notice, the years that the locust has eaten. Now, now this is prophetic and it's powerful because God says to us, if it was good for the Old Testament saints, it's good for us. Because the Bible says the Old Testament was written for our learning. So if he was saying it to them, he's saying it to us. And he's telling God's people who have went through a pandemic and a crisis. And God's people are in a foreign land. And they're in a place that, that's uncomfortable. They're in a place where there's persecution. There's, they're, they're in a place where they don't have abundance like they used to. They're in a place of struggle. And God says to them, you're going to come back into a place where you're full and not empty. You're going to come back into a place where it's overflowing with new wine and new oil. Not just physical oil and wine, but spiritual oil and wine, which is the anointing of God. And if you got the anointing on you, you can make it through anything. You know why so many Christians have blown it during this time? They ain't got no anointing on their life. I'm not saying it's not, it's not, not been hard, but if you got no anointing, you cannot make it through these times. And he says, I'm going to restore to you the anointing and the oil on your life. And let's look at verse 25 again. 225. Let's do 225. So I will restore to you the years. Notice that the locust has eaten. I will restore to you. Now you're saying, what in the world? I ain't got no locust. You realize in the Bible, there's different examples given to demonic powers. Sometimes they, they, they'll use an insect or, or an animal. And the Bible talks about different creatures, not in the physical, but in the spiritual, or symbolic for demonic oppression. You know, sometimes in the Bible, we refer to a snake or a dragon or a serpent or a scorpion. It's all Types of demonic powers. He's not talking about a literal animal or an insect. And in this passage it says, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. You realize in that time, in that day, their crops were everything. Their crops were their livelihood. Their crops were the way they made money. Their crops were the way they they would feed their family. So if the locust has eaten your crops, that means you have nothing. You have no no money. You have no food. You have no, no place to lay your head at night because if you didn't have any crops, then you wouldn't have anything. And if the locusts have eaten it, it was a real problem. But we see here that it's a type and a shadow of demonic powers and demonic influences because the enemy is your problem, not God. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it says, I will restore to you all the years that the locusts have eaten. Or all the years that demonic powers and oppression have tried to still kill and destroy your life, I am a God who can restore those years back to you. I'm a God who can restore those things back to you. And he says, I will restore. It's God's will for restoration. It's God's will for restoration. And we serve a God who restores and he says in this passage, in Joel 2, 24 through 26, I will restore the years that you could say the enemy has eaten from you. I will restore 
the years that the enemy has taken from you. I will restore the years. Now, I want you to think of this in a, in a broader way than not just this year. Because this year, the enemy has taken some things from some of us in here. He's taken your money. He's taken some of your health. He's taken some of your joy. But God wants to restore. And he says, I will restore the years that the enemy has taken. But let's think bigger than that because really, a lot of us in here, there's other issues in our life that we've had for a long time. There's been a long time of the enemy taken. Taken our joy, taken our health, taken our mind, taken our peace, taken our family, taken things from our life. And the good news is God says, I will restore the years that the enemy has taken from you. Now, this is your Bible. This is not gimmicky preaching. Let me just look up an encouraging verse in the Bible and just share it with the church family. No, no, this is the Word of God. It's not a gimmick. It's not like, let's just give them false hope. Let's just hype them up and get them excited and give them another verse and their life's going to be the same. No, that's, that's hype. No, God wants to give you hope, not hype. And the Word of God is real and it's not a gimmick. So don't treat this message like, yeah, heard it before, nothing happened. I believe preachers before when they gave verses like that, nothing happened. It's just gimmicks. It's just hype to get people excited, get people encouraged. It's false hope. No, the word is real hope. And if God says it, I believe it. And that settles it. Because God's word is true in every man a liar, in every experience a liar, in every circumstance a liar. God's word is true. And if God says he will restore the years that the enemy has taken, I'm going to decide to side with him <laughs> and not the years that he's taken. I'm going to decide to stick with him and his word and not my past failures and not my past mistakes and not my past circumstances and not the past time I thought I believed God and it didn't work out right, so I'm not going to believe God ever again. No, I'm going to side with God's word because God's word is true. And it says, I will restore to you the years. That the enemy has taken from you. Notice not just this year. But some of you have been 10 years. 20 years. 30 years. God says I will restore to you. And this is a time of restoration we're coming into. To restore means to give back. To return. To renew. To put. Again, in possession of. And I love this one, to give back what you lost. That's what God wants to do. We're coming into a season of restoration. To give back, to return, to renew, to put back again in possession of, and to give you back what you lost. God is a God who restores I was thinking about this, and you know, restoration is good money right now. If you're in the restoration business, it's popular. Think about all the popular shows on TV that really make money. Fixer Upper. Nobody watches, oh, I don't watch TV, Pastor. I'm too spiritual. I don't know what you're talking about. Fixer Upper, Joanna Gaines. It's the same thing as listening to a message anyways. Pretty much the same thing. It's a joke, guys. Laugh. Chip and Joanna Gaines are the equivalent to watching me preach. So you're getting your spiritual diet anyways. Anyways, restoration is really popular right now. We, we see shows like Fixer Upper. Uh, there's, there's other uh, shows on the History Channel. I wrote a few down. There's a Restoration Garage. There's Restoration Hardware, which is a store. There's American Restoration, 
We see American Pickers, another show, all about restoring because restoration is good money. Restoration is really popular right now, HGTV. It's all about fixing the old, broken, forgotten things and restoring it to its proper place. Now, there was a season where, like, new was in. Like, new cars, new houses, even new clothes. But there's something about restoration. Like, people like vintage clothes and vintage cars and vintage homes they can fix up because there's, there's so much pleasure people get when they restore something back to its proper place. They renew it. They put it back again in its rightful position. They take back which what was lost, and they put it back together again, and people get great joy from that. Why? Because God put that in them. Because God likes doing the same thing. And since you're made in his image and likeness, you have that in you to restore things because we serve a God who's a God of restoration. And he's in the restoration business. He loves restoring things, and he doesn't restore old homes, old cars, things he found at the garage sale. No, he restores people. He restores and renews his creation. And God is in the restoration business. He likes fixing old, broken, forgotten things and making them new again. That's what God loves to do. And that's why a lot of us love to do those things because there's great joy in restoration. You guys getting something so far today? So how did we get here? God didn't create us broken. God didn't create us messed up. God didn't create us in a place that we would need restoration. We were already perfect. So what happened? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> a lot of things happened, but the main thing that happened is when sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, it broke the world. It didn't just break the internet, it broke the world. And because of that sin, the entire world is broken. Do you realize not just human beings are broken, but the Bible says all creation is broken. You realize why we have some of the natural disasters we have? It's not just climate change. Now that could be a part of it, but it's not just climate change. It's because this world is broken because of sin. And your Bible says that the earth is dying and decaying because it's still under the curse of sin. So just like we are dying, I'm just here to uplift you guys. It's true though. Just like we are dying, this physical body is dying from the time you come out of your mother's womb. Because it's under sin. It's under a curse. It's living in a fallen, broken world, but even all the creation is. And that's why it says that one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth without this brokenness because it's broken right now. And there's certain issues even on the planet that you're not going to be able to fix because it's broken. But human beings are broken because of the original sin. You come out of the womb broken, physically and spiritually. Even people that don't even believe in God know that things aren't right, don't they? You got you to tell them that. They know that. Why do people that don't even know God are always trying to fix everything? Because they know it's broken. They know it's messed up. So instead of putting their hope in God, they put their hope in a political candidate. 
It's right, right around election time. Why don't we go and say, say that right now? So, so since it's broken and I know that and I don't believe in God, I don't have faith in God, maybe Biden will be my savior to unbreak things. Or maybe Trump, if I vote for him, he will fix things because I don't believe in God and somebody's got to fix it and things are broken. So let Trump fix it. No. No, they can't fix it. Political candidates cannot fix it. The government cannot fix it. Here's another thing. Education cannot fix your problem. Can't fix it. You're just, like C.S. Lewis said, you'll just be a smarter devil. It, 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 won't, it won't fix your issue. It won't fix the sin issue. You might be a little bit more intelligently, mentally, but you will not be fixed. Or physically, you can, you can exercise all you want. You can eat the right things. Uh, you can get surgery, push it up, pull it out, suck it in, whatever you want to do. But you're still broken. Still broken. Still going to the grave. Still in need of a savior. Your mind's still broken. You just look a little bit prettier, but you're still messed up. Are you here today or not? I don't know if you are or not. But it's broken. And we know that. We know that. And sin is what broke the world. But also, since then, we live in a world where the enemy, Satan, is the god of this world. So he has permission in a lot of people's lives to still kill and destroy. <laughs> That's why we're broken. And lastly, but not least, all of us have done this one too, our choices. So yes, sin broke us. We're born into this. And the enemy has helped a lot to still kill and destroy. But then all of us in here, our choices have furthered that brokenness. Come on now, somebody. No, our choices. No, my choices. Your pastor's choices. Yeah, I can't just blame everything on the devil. Yeah, I was born into sin. Yeah, the enemy's against me. Yes, but my own choices have furthered the brokenness. But here is the good news. Now you come to a good news preaching church. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the good news, not the bad news, the good news. You've seen enough bad news on Fox News and CNN. It's time for some good news. And the good news is the gospel saves people. The good news is the gospel restores people. The good news is that sin cannot stop God from restoring you. The good news is that your choices cannot stop God from restoring you. The good news is the enemy cannot stop God from restoring you. If God wants to restore you, doesn't matter how you got broken, you can be fixed and put back together again. And we serve a God of restoration. <laughs> we serve a God of restoration. Here's, here's some things I want you to know about um, restoration. It doesn't matter how bad you have been, you can be restored. I think some of you guys need to hear that. Because there's a lot of people that have lived a sinful life, but in their heads not as sinful life, and they think that it's easier for them to be restored. It's like, oh, I know these people over here. Oh, it takes God a lot of work to fix them up. But me, I just need a little bit of fix, uh, fixing up. No, to God, it's all the same. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how bad it's been, God can restore. Doesn't matter what you've done, God can restore. Here's another thing. It doesn't matter how long you've been that way. <laughs> I feel like I got 50-50% participation today. I, I need 100% for the way I'm preaching today. It doesn't matter how long it's been, God can restore. Isn't that another excuse the enemy gives us? 
It's been like this 10 years. It's been like this 20 years. Your marriage has been messed up 30 years. There's no hope for it. You've had this physical issue 40 years. There's no hope for it. I've always thought this way for 60 years. The good news is, doesn't matter how bad it's been or how long it's been, God can restore. You know, God kind of lives in the supernatural. That means he can supernaturally speed up that time and restore the years. You say, well, I wasted 30 years. Well, good thing you serve God because God said I can restore the years that the enemy took from you. Well, I wasted so much time. Yeah, but God said <laughs> I will restore the years. I felt this way in my body a long time, but God said, I will restore the years that the enemy has taken from you. I will restore. So it doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter how hopeless it seems. God can restore. You guys with me this morning? You receiving this today? I love this. Um, Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel Church said this, The Lord not only restores, but he restores better than before. So when God brings restoration to your life, he's not just trying to get you back to even. When God restores, he restores better than before. You know, it's interesting that your Bible says in Corinthians that we have been reconciled to God. And reconciliation with God is the first step before restoration. But most people are okay with just being reconciled. A lot of Christians, well, I'm good with God now, but I got all these lingering issues. But it's okay. Because I'm reconciled with God. Now that's good to be thankful for that. But God is a God who wants to do much more than just reconcile you with himself. That's the first step. But God wants to restore to you the years that the enemy has taken from you. He wants to restore to you the consequences of your sin. The consequences of the fall. The consequences of your choices. God wants to not just reconcile us to himself, that we're good with God now. But he wants to restore to us. God wants you to come just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. Yeah, it's great. Come with your junk. Come with your brokenness. Come with your messed upness. Come with your addictions. Come to the altar. Get reconciled to God. But that's just the beginning, not the end. God wants to restore and have a complete renovation of your entire life from the inside out. The restoration of your mind, the restoration of your body, the restoration of your family, the restoration of your future. God wants to not just reconcile, but he wants to restore some things. But many people are okay with, hey, we good now. We reconciled. But God is a God who restores. He did not go to the cross and pay the price just to have you forgiven and live the same old life. He didn't have the crown of thorns on his head so you could just be saved and still depressed. He didn't get beat and whipped in his back for you to be saved and still sick. No, when Jesus paid for your redemption, he paid for the whole thing. Paid in full for everything. Not just for reconciliation, not just for redemption, but for restoration. Come on now, somebody. And we serve a God who restores. God said, I will restore to you the years. 
I know a lot of us in here feel like, but pastor, I've wasted so much time. Yeah, we all have. I've had this issue way too long. Yes, a lot of us have had that. But what's the good news? God said, I will restore the years, and I can redeem the time that you lost in sin. I can redeem the time that you spent in sin. I can redeem things in your life that you thought could never be redeemed again. I can restore things back to you even though you've had that issue for so long. We serve a God of restoration. And this is not just preacher talk. This is your Bible. It's not a gimmick. It's the Word. And for us to receive it, we have to believe that. God restores us. He gives us back what we lost and returns us back to our rightful position. I want to share a few things with you the rest of this time on things that God restores to us. First of all, in your Bible, there's four things I want to share with you that God restores. First of all, He wants to restore your joy. He wants to restore your joy. You know, I was thinking about this today. I think I know a lot of nice Christians and a lot of friendly Christians, but I don't know if I know a lot of joyful Christians. But God's best is a joy-filled life. In his presence is fullness of joy. Jesus said, I come to give you my joy and that your joy would be overflowing. And a lot of us, especially this past year, you've lost your joy. And if you lose your joy, you lose your strength. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And many of you are like, I'm too tired. I have, I have no energy. I have no way to get up and go to work in the morning. I don't have any energy in this marriage anymore. I don't have any strength for these kids anymore. I don't have any strength for my life anymore. Why? Because you lost your joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And your Bible says this in Psalm 51 and verse 12. Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Let's leave it up here. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You realize this was written after David, a man after God's own heart, had an affair. Then not only did he do that, he killed the guy that she was married to. Man after God's own heart. And after all that, David says this prayer in Psalm 51 to God. You can read the whole chapter later. And he's repenting to God. And he's getting right with God. And he's being humble before God. But notice what he says to God. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sin stole his joy. His choices stole his joy. It's pretty hard to be joyful and to live in sin. And you're like, well, I'm depressed. Yeah, well, you're living in sin. You are going to be. Your choices are opening that door. You're living in a fallen world with demonic oppression around you. You're going to have to let God restore to you some things. And be open and honest enough to say, God, I was wrong. I repent. But now I'm ready to restore some things. And receive restoration. And you know the good news is God is ready to restore. When we're ready to repent, God's ready to restore. When we're ready to humble ourselves, God is ready to restore. When we're ready to turn around and turn back to him, God is ready to restore. And it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And that's what God did for David. He restored to him the joy of his salvation. I believe God wants to do that for us in here. He wants to restore to you some joy. 
so you can get your strength back because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Next thing, he wants to restore your soul. Let's read in Psalm 23, 1 through 3. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice he restores my soul. God is in the restoration business and he wants to restore your joy. But he also wants to restore your soul. Now what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, let's be honest in here. That's where most of us have our issues. Like Joyce Meyer said a long time ago, the battleground is your mind, and it is. God cares about your joy, but he also cares about your soul. You know, God cares about your physical health, but he cares about your mental health too. Just as important. And the good news is our God has provided redemption for all the above. To restore our joy and to restore our soul. And in Psalm 23, it says that he will restore my soul. I'm believing that over us in here, and you need to take these verses and quote them over yourself if you need it, that God is restoring our soul. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. And a lot of us in here, we are broken in that area. And we have never allowed God to fully restore us in our soul. But unless you let God restore you, you will have issues the rest of your life. But God says, I want to restore your soul. You know, sin takes a toll on your body, but it takes a toll on your soul. It torments you. It depresses you. Gives you anxiety. Gives you stress. The enemy targets us in our mind, our will, and our emotions. We need restoration in our soul. And God wants to restore our soul. There's another passage, and I'm going to quote it in a second, in the Gospels. It was Jesus, he prayed for this man who was demon-possessed. This man had thousands of demons. Thousands. It says he was naked. He was in the graveyard and he was cutting himself so he had some issues <clears throat> but when Jesus prayed for him <clears throat> I love this let's turn here before I cry <laughs> Mark five fifteen. I love this passage Mark 5 it says then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Because some of you are saying, I don't even know what a right mind feels like anymore. I am too far gone. I am too messed up mentally. I am too messed up emotionally. I will never heal from this. I am so broken. I cannot think straight. I don't remember the last time I was, wasn't depressed. I don't remember the last time I was anxious. God is a God who can restore your soul. And if this man, you're not in this condition, who was naked, cutting himself in a graveyard with thousands of demons on the inside of him. Jesus cast the devil out of him and restored him and it says he was seated, clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> and it says they were afraid. That's the town people. What happened to him? Jesus. Because he restores 
And I wanted to read this verse to encourage you. No, it doesn't matter how long you've been that way and how bad it's been. You can get back to your right mind. And God can restore your soul. He loves to restore. Here's the next thing God wants to restore, your health. Stay with me. I just got a little bit more here. You guys with me today? God wants to restore your health. He cares about your mental health, but he also cares about your physical health. Jeremiah 30 and 17. Jeremiah 30, 17. Can we do 3017? Sorry, I gave you 3117. So God cares about your not just your mental health, but your physical health. Notice what it says, Jeremiah 3017. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Notice, I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. Let's look at the Gospels. Look at Jesus, what he did. Mark 3 and verse 5. Mark 3 and verse 5. says, When he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was, what was it? Restored as whole as the other. Let's look at another passage, Mark 8 and 25, I believe. Mark 8 and 25. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. So God wants to restore us in our joy, in our soul, but in our bodies. God is a God who can restore us in our bodies. He says that he wants to heal us and heal our wounds and restore us to life again. I love this because in the Gospels, especially when Jesus healed people, he didn't just heal them, he restored them. Because when God restores, he restores better than before. He didn't just heal their arm, he grew their arm out and gave them a new arm. (laughs) He didn't just heal their eyes. He gave them a whole new eyesight. He didn't just heal their skin when they had leprosy. Their skin changed and was new again. Because God is a God who restores. And he wants to restore our bodies. He wants to restore our bodies. And we see here, lastly, God wants to restore our prosperity. God cares about your prosperity. It's not superficial to say that. It's not covetous to say that. You need money to live. It's amazing to me. Side note, let me just get this out of the way. Same people that that talk against prosperity preaching, prosperity gospel, are the same people who are the biggest loudmouths about giving to others. You can't pay your own bills. How the heck are you going to give to anybody else? I just think that's hilarious. People that are so against the prosperity message, like, oh, don't say that at church. God didn't want you to prosper, are the biggest people. Like, you need to give to the poor. You need to help the poor. You're poor. We need to help you. No, that doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible whatsoever. That's tradition, not the Bible. No, the Bible says God wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. 
The Bible says that God wants you to be rich, which means have more than enough. That you have enough for your family and your children, and you have more than enough to give to others. The Bible says nowhere he wants you to be poor. And whatever scripture they have tried to use was taken way, 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 way out of context. All right, back to what we were saying. The prophet got on me a second here. The prophet's here. I got a little aggressive. I apologize for that. I'll be a pastor again. So prosperity. Can we all agree on that? We're all thinking people. We all have good functioning brains that can understand that. That that idea of being against prosperity preaching makes no sense. Okay. But God wants to restore your joy. That's the most important thing. Of course, it's given. He restores his relationship with you. He does that through reconciliation. But God wants to restore your mind and your body, but he also wants to restore your prosperity. Brother Hagin said that most Christians, this is the thing they deal with the most. They never get victory in their money. They get victory over a lot of other things, but they never get victory in their money because they don't think right about it. And they let the enemy continue to take, take, and take, and never let God restore and give back what belongs to them. You know, one of the greatest examples in the Bible is this. I'm going to get real excited when I preach this part. Is in Exodus, when God's people were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And it says that when God brought them out of Egypt... And Pharaoh had to let God's people go. Mm-mm-mm. It says that they came out with the gold and the silver. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't just, just say, uh, you, you guys just go. No, God said, uh-uh. We're going to get restoration of this. Oh, you ain't just going out. You're going to go out restored. You've been working all these years. You've been believing me all these years. You're not just getting delivered out of Egypt. The prosperity is going with you too. It's your Bible. And it says they went out with the gold and the silver. That's prosperity. And the Bible says, and there was no feeble one among them. That's restoration of their health. They weren't living in the Ritz-Carlton for hundreds of years. They were working seven days a week with barely any food and beaten every day. But supernaturally, God restored their bodies. He restored their minds. He restored their prosperity because God is a God of restoration. And God cares about your prosperity and what belongs to you as a child of God. He cares about it. There's so many times, and I'm not going to read all these passages. You can look it up later. All throughout the Old Testament, especially the prophets, there's time and time again that God said, if you will just turn back to me, I will restore your prosperity. If you just turn back to me, it actually says, I will restore your fortunes. Who in here even has a fortune? But God was talking about big money. He told his people, I will restore the fortunes and prosperity that you lost because you went into the enemy's territory. If you just turn back to me, I will restore it. I love this, Job 42.10. Job 42.10 in the New Living. When Job prayed for his friends, notice he turned back around to God, got right. The Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Now, Job was the richest man in the East before this verse. But as you know, if you read the book of Job, the enemy took everything from Job. His family, his mind, his health, his prosperity, But there's 
something great in the book of Job that you can learn. When he turned back to God and got it right, God restored his family. He restored his body. He restored his mind. But he also restored his prosperity. But what did he do? He repented and he turned back to God. Because God is a God of restoration. I'm going to close here. I've been going 50 minutes. Did you guys get something today? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let me get the praise team to come back up here for a moment. Thank you, Father. And you guys can just play champion as we're ending here. I believe that God wants to restore to you, church family, to give back, to return, to renew, to put back in possession of what belongs to you. I believe that for us as a church and as the people of God, and I don't believe that word is just for our church. I believe that's for any part of God's family. From what we have been through this year, there is still about two and a half more months left, and God wants to restore some things. A lot of us have lost some things, and God wants to restore some things and restore the years that the enemy has taken. He wants to restore our joy. He wants to restore our soul. He wants to restore our body. And he wants to restore our money. This is the last passage I want to read to you. And it sums all of this up so well. And I was thinking about this all week. In Luke 15, it's the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15 and verse 11. Because the prodigal son, he had some restoration. And you're saying, well, well, I'm not the prodigal son. I'm not like lost and I'm not, not running from God. But you know what? There's, all of us have areas in our life that we need to be repenting and turning around to God and making things right and coming back to him. So Luke 15, verse 11. I'm going to read it right between these two guys right here. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. Doesn't that kind of sound like what we're living in? And he began to be in want, and then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one would give him anything. But when he came to himself, come on, I think that's what some people are doing today. I think that's what the world is doing today. They're coming to themselves, and they're saying, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father's house, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. I love this. But when he was still a far way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And let's stop right here. But the father said to his servants, because God's a God of restoration. Now, now what did this, the son, he didn't deserve anything. <laughs> he deserved a beating. All you parents don't believe in beating anymore? Spanking, time out. No, he deserved a whipping from his daddy. But thank God that God is merciful. And he is kind. And when we deserve a whooping, God comes in and says, hey, I love you. And if you're repentful and you want restoration, I want to restore everything to you. And notice what the son did. He came with a repentful, humble attitude. And God is a God of restoration. He said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand 
and sandals on his feet. I love that. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Come on, we don't believe in vegans around here. Come on, kill that fatted calf. We believe in some barbecue, some burgers, some filet mignon. Come on now, somebody, it's about time to eat some deer steak. Come on, some sausage. All right, I offended all the vegans in our church. It's the Bible. He didn't say, go out and go get some vegetables because we're going to fix him a giant salad. Didn't say it. Didn't say it. How exciting would that be? No, side note. If you came home from being away a long time and they said, hey, we got a salad for you. <laughs> I say, I'm going back to eat the, the swine food because they were eating better than this. Bring out the fatted calf here, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Where, what's merry? They got their joy back. I just wanted to share this passage because I've been thinking about it all week, but it's exactly what we talked about today because God is a God who restores. And notice when we come back to him and when we repent and when we turn and when we trust him, God restores. Even if we were wrong, God can still restore. And notice when he restores, what do we get back? We get our joy back. We get our mind back. We get our emotions back. He restores our body, and he restores our prosperity. I'm believing God wants to restore some things for us. Can we stand up today? And I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm believing today for every person in this building that God is restoring things to you starting today, starting this morning. I believe in God. You're a God of restoration. You're a God of restoration. You're a God who restores. And Father, we believe that. We believe that today. And I believe you're restoring joy to some people who have lost their joy. I believe you're restoring people's soul. I believe you're restoring things to people's bodies, that they're be going to be better than before. I believe you're restoring prosperity and things that they have lost in this past year. I believe, Father God, that you can do it. And like your word says in the book of Joel, I will restore the years that the enemy has taken from you. Father, we say no more, no more, no more, not in this house, not in this church, no more stealing, no more taking, no more days of the enemy taking what belongs to us. God, you're restoring it all back. Everything that we had lost, we are getting back in the name of Jesus. And, and I hear this specifically from some people in here. God is restoring some things in your family. He's restoring some prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. So, so don't let the circumstances get you out of faith. You just believe, no, God is restoring my son. God is restoring my daughter. God is restoring my grandchildren. God is restoring that relationship. God is restoring those things. I feel that today. There's, there's several people in here. God is restoring relationships back to you that you've been believing for for a long time because God is the God of restoration. God is the God of restoration. And Father, we believe in when they come back and when they come back, you're going to restore those years that we lost. You're going to restore those years that we lost. You're going to redeem the time for us. That It's going to be like we never lost any time because you're going to restore those things back to us. Come on now, somebody. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We believe in your restoring power, God. We believe in your restoring power, God. You reveal yourself as the God who can restore. All the years, all the years, I'm believing this over the you church family, all the years that the enemy has stolen from you, he's got to restore He's going to restore. It might not happen overnight, but it's going to happen. And God's going to restore your health, your mind, your joy, those relationships, your prosperity. 
God, you're going to restore them in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We're in a season of restoration. We're in a season of restoration. We're not going to call it what the world calls it. We're going to call it a season of restoration. We're not in a season of pandemic. We're in a season of restoration. We're not in a season of racial hatred. We're in a season of restoration. We're not in a season of failure. We're in a season of restoration. We're not in a season of coronavirus. We're in a season of restoration. That's what it's going to be like for us because we are your church. We are your church, and we're in this world, but we're not of it. We're not of it. We're not of it. We don't have to have the same results. We don't have to have the same results. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Is anybody receiving that today? Can we sing that chorus? You are my champion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.